Gracious and loving God, help us see you in all places. Help us give thanks to you in all circumstances. Help us hear a word from you this morning that we might proclaim your word to the world. It's in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this morning, we have uh, finished our sermon series on an altar in the world, and now we're moving into a new series, well, it's like, like a mini couple weeks, on giving thanks. Um, giving thanks is obviously a part of our season right now. Uh, this Sunday, we're going to be talking about this uh, the reading from Thessalonians, and then next Sunday actually ends what is known as our liturgical year. And so it's a fancy word for saying the, the church follows seasons, um, just like seasons in our lives. The church follows seasons like Advent, which we're coming up upon, and Christmas season, and then we have a, a season after Epiphany, and then we have Lent, and we have Easter season, and then we have the ordinary season. Uh, and just all that entire cycle that we go through as a church, and even though I do sermon series, I try to find ourselves in those seasons, ends next Sunday with what's called the Reign of Christ uh, Day, or Christ the King Sunday. And we'll talk more about that next week. But this morning, we're talking about giving thanks. And not just giving thanks in particular times, but giving thanks in all times. Uh, I don't know about you, but a few weeks ago, um, as we were preparing for our drive-in worship service, I, I, we did like a promo video. and actually got a, lot, a ton of views, but uh, Stephanie was very clear with me because she's, you know, the marketing mindset when like, how do we connect to people? And she said, you got to be straightforward and you got to say these words. And I said, okay, I'll try. And then it took like three minutes and then, you know, four minutes. She's like, no, straightforward, Brian. And so then I did it in one minute and then she told, no, straightforward. And so I go really fast and then I said, I don't know about you. You. But during this pandemic, I have felt isolated and I have felt alone. And I, and I said, but we can come uh, to our drive-in worship together. It is so easy right now to be reminded over and over again of the challenges of the current pandemic. And friends, I don't know about you, but as you turn on the news these days, and especially, you know, now that we're a little bit maybe outside of this election cycle, but we turn on the news and we're seeing that there was 184,000 cases of COVID-19 throughout the United States on one day alone. I think it was a Friday or Saturday. I forget which day. I think it was yesterday. 184,000. And many people saying that we're only in the beginning of a new journey. Granted, we had the great news of uh, Pfizer announcing a, a potential vaccine that's going to be out soon, but we are still a ways away, and it's potentially going to get worse for our entire nation and globe before it gets better. And I just, you know, it's just the feelings of kind of hardship and trials just kind of like weigh heavy on our burdens. And whatever that frustration you have been feeling throughout this pandemic, that, uh, that endurance that you're needing that's been kind of chiseled away with all of the ups and downs and the changes and the hopes of reopening and then closing, 
I imagine that endurance is like you're at mile 22 in the marathon, and if you've ever run a marathon, it is the worst time. Like 18 to 22 are just miserable, and they always put the largest hill on the course right there at like mile 18 or two. I think Honolulu Marathon is like at mile 21. It's so cruel that they do that, but because like you just don't think you can go any further, and then there you know you have another six miles to go, and you have this hill in front of you. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice in all things, the Apostle Paul says. But Paul, you, you didn't live through a pandemic. But Paul, you didn't have the entire way of life kind of thrown aside and have to live in a new way of life. But Paul, at least you were able... It's easy for us to think that Scripture does not relate to now. When in fact, I think that the scripture is very closely linked to what we're going through in many ways. Early Christians weren't necessarily all out persecuted, but early Christians were in fact fearful of what it would mean if they were outed as a Christian in public. And so they found their early worship services in catacombs or graveyards. They would gather together in homes under, like the, in the communal space at the houses because they did not want to be called out by a Roman official and be told to throw spices on a fire and say that Caesar is divine because they believed that only Jesus was divine and that there is only one God. And so they were a different reason to be fearful for their lives, but they were isolated. And Paul, the apostle, their teacher, the one that brought them into the church and and proclaimed the good news, he was so absent most of the time because he was too busy going to another location to start a new church, or he was back in Jerusalem figuring out quabbles between the early Jewish Christians and the early Gentile Christians and bringing money to support. And so he often finds himself writing letters to the churches to be dispersed among the churches so that they might know. And even when he finds himself in prison, which next Sunday's scripture will be on that out of the book of Philippians, he sends his words to the churches, to the people. We've been unable to gather in our sanctuary, but I've been sending a more modern-day version of letters because we can get it out to you via Facebook and YouTube, and we can send out emails, and we can do these things in hopes to encourage you that throughout this time, God is with you. And see, the thing about this scripture when it says rejoice, give thanks, you know, and pray without ceasing. One of the things that I thought was really interesting as I explored the Greek within this passage is the the word for rejoice or kind of the, the Greek that's tied into this is not an individual verb. It's a communal one. It's a plural one. The call for us right now is not just to give thanks individually, personally, but give thanks as a community of faith. Which, of course, seems crazy because we're not able to be together in the ways that we're able to. But the Apostle Paul calls us to give thanks in all things. And then later in this passage, Paul um, kind of uh, makes us start to look towards Jesus' second coming. 
Because one of the things that was going on in the early church is that many in the early church believed that Jesus was going to come back any moment now. In fact, you know, some of the ideas that this generation will not go away before Jesus would come back. And at the time of Paul writing 1 Thessalonians, of course, that generation that knew Jesus, that saw Jesus, was in fact starting to pass away. And some of those early Christians, as they're finding themselves worshiping in isolation, that generation that was supposed to see Jesus come back hasn't been able to see Jesus come back, starting to get, well, a little weary of all this. But Paul reminds them to pray without ceasing, to rejoice always, and then to look to the second coming. I don't know if you have read throughout the news of people saying that we find ourselves in the the time period of Revelation recently. I certainly have. And I don't know about you, but any time that someone starts phrasing we're in the Revelation, they all of a sudden start listing off all of the crazy things that are going on in the world, all the terrible stuff, you know, uh, because they associate everything like, you know, COVID is the flames coming down from, from the skies and the dragon coming up is, you know, whatever political figure that they want to say. They, I mean, they, all of these symbolism out of the book of Revelation, and I would love to at some point talk about that book because as, uh, Difficult as it is to understand, I think there's so much there, especially during this time. And come to think about it, I'm not going to talk a lot about it during Advent because, you know, we like to talk about Jesus and Jesus' birth. But Advent, the season we're coming up to after Thanksgiving, is literally a season that's meant to wait for the second coming of Jesus. It's not a season when we wait for Christmas to happen. It's a season when we're supposed to wait for the second coming of Christ. And the thing is, is that popular Christianity likes to make us think that the second coming of Jesus is to look for all the bad things that are happening in the world and start identifying those with the various symbolism from the depictions of the end times. But I think here in Thessalonians, Paul shows what the entire focus of Jesus coming back is all about. It's not to look to the bad things, but it's to look to the good things and to rejoice even as life around us seems to be upended by whatever chaos befalls itself. Let me, let me repeat that, that the look towards the end times is not about the destruction and the doom and the bad things that's going to come our way, but a look to the end times is a way in which we might find hope and rejoice even in the midst of difficulties, of upheaval, of unrest. Paul is inviting us corporately that even amidst this pandemic to pray without ceasing and to rejoice and to give thanks, to find hope even when it seems despair is all around us. What is it that you have experienced throughout this pandemic that inspires hope within you. I'm a um, 
dark novel reader. <laughs> and what I mean by that is I often find myself reading books that um, don't always have as bright and Disney of an ending to them. I found myself, uh, one of my favorite books that I've read, and I, I lost it from my signature on my emails when I got a new computer, but it's from the Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky. And uh, it's this giant book, and I remember reading it while I was in Japan. And you have to flip back like a hundred times because there's like 20 different names for each of the characters. But essentially, um, there's this dysfunctional family, and um, the father figure uh, ends up dying, and the oldest son is potentially linked to murdering. And, but then there's the youngest son, Alexei or Lucia, and he is kind of the hero of the story, although it's not very a heroic story. But you find in Lucia, Alexei, this sort of gentle optimism. Not that he's trite and not that he tries to look past all things, but he has this spirit about him that even as his family's household was crumbling and his brother was in prison and everyone thought that he killed his dad, he engages with people not out of cynicism, but out of generosity, out of hope. And throughout the story, you just get this warmth from his character. And, and towards the middle-ish end, I mean, it's a giant book, like I said, uh, Alexei starts to engage with these children and, and kind of, um, I don't remember all the details because when I read it, it was a while ago, but starts to interact with these boys, they call it. And there's this sort of warmth that he engages with them. And in the end, I'm not going to like uh, ruin the story for you, but my favorite line of the book is, is at the end. And at the end, he goes and he meets those boys of which his warmth and his gentleness that he engaged those people with inspired hope in difficult situation. The boy shouts out, hooray for Karamazov. And now we go hand in hand. There is something intoxicating about the ability to engage with people with compassion and warmth and generosity. And as we go together with that spirit, that is a way of giving thanks together. Doesn't always mean that everything has to be perfect. Doesn't mean that we're giving thanks because God has, you know, sprinkled down manna from heaven. It goes giving thanks amidst life's difficulties. And it's hard. If you caught my prayer this morning prior to the worship, I showed up with my mindset on I'm going to have this sermon, I have my outline, I'm all ready. It's going to be a peaceful morning. The pieces to our worship seem to be going well. And then I walked in and the jealousy windows down there were open. And then all of a sudden I look on our ring cameras and we found that our, our building was broken into and I go into panic mode, right? What was taken? And of course, they took all of our microphones that we normally use on Sunday. And so we have some wireless and some from Holman Hall that Trinity Christian School uses. And just as I was supposed to be coming here to say, we're going to be thankful in all things, I get hit with this curveball of life. Having to deal with the stress and the anxiety of having something broken into So I understand that this is a difficult time for us. 
and life's curveballs hit us even as things are difficult. How do we give thanks together? How do I, as an individual, not get kind of dampened down by the difficulties, but how do I, as an individual, look towards what's potentially good, and then how do we, as a community, give thanks together? I I saw the videos from this break-in. I was looking at it before. They went up into our sound booth, and we have spent some decent amount of money on various things to help get us to be able to get to this point in our live stream. And they even started to go through our drawers and things. We have a, a new, my other wireless microphone was breaking, and we have a new wireless microphone literally installed on Thursday. They opened the drawer and did not take it. They did not take the computer, not take the safe that held our cameras. They did not take so many things that we have. And that's not trying to say, oh, be thankful, but I am incredibly thankful that we're still able to lead in worship because all we were missing was some microphones. How might we use that phrase, turn lemons into lemonade? How might we give thanks in all circumstances? And know that the Apostle Paul isn't just glossing over life's difficulties. The Apostle Paul found himself stoned in prison. The Apostle Paul found himself going off into a mission for extended periods of time and coming back with nothing, no new communities of faith. The Apostle Paul knew hardships. And the Apostle Paul points us to Jesus, who himself found himself on the cross. Within our faith, the leaders of our tradition, new grief and new pain and new challenge. And yet they call us to have hope even amidst the difficulties. What can you be thankful for? If you're on Facebook, perhaps you can share with us something that you're thankful for. If you don't, maybe you can send us a card or you can email it to us and we can post it online and share it with the congregation. What are you thankful for as an individual? And then what are we thankful for as a community? What can we do to give thanks and go hand in hand even through the pandemic together? so that we might find ourselves as a people, a communal people, that rejoice always, that pray without ceasing, that give thanks in all things, because we know that Jesus is King, that the one who has made the whole world right and reconciled to God is truly the divine one, bringing all things back to himself. Let us rest in that hope, And continue to be ready. Be ready to give back to God all that God has given to us. I invite you to pray with me this morning. Jesus, we give thanks for your self-offering to us. For showing up to the Apostle Paul and for teaching him what it means to be made whole again. Not through our own initiatives, our own self-energies, but through your gift of yourself. 
And we know a lot of us need an extra portion of endurance, of patience, of generosity, of kindness, because it's so easy to let cynicism and negativity creep in. Help us engage with others the sense of thankfulness for them that we might walk hand in hand and give thanks back to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.